Uh, life is messy. I guess that shocks no one, but it really cannot be overstated how unorganized and complicated the world is. And it really drives me mad. I really have a hard time processing how frantic and chaotic things are. It really drives me toward artistic pursuits like photography, design, writing, where you can belabor something like a scene or a room or a paragraph to the point of perfection, or at least you can convince yourself that you've gleaned something like perfection in that product. And I do take solace in the fact that we as humans can achieve these moments, these fleeting moments of joy and balance and if not perfection, maybe something like greatness. Maybe we can look away from the mess of the artist's studio and focus on the canvas. It's not so bad to do that, is it? And yet there's always that chorus in the back of our minds. How can you how can you live knowing that there is such immense suffering? How can you go sailing on a, on a boat at sea? How can you go on a yacht knowing that <laughs> COVID, <laughs> knowing that people are starving, knowing that there is war in Yemen, knowing anything and of course, there is so much to know regarding suffering. How can you go on living? It's an existential question that philosophers have asked forever. And there is a current movement right now called antinatalism, which essentially does resign humanity to a mistake. How can we bring life into this world knowing that every single child will suffer immensely throughout their lives? <laughs> and I know that's bleak as hell, but we've all made it. We've all done it. And it's not so bad, is it? I definitely can appreciate that I have it okay. Obviously, one gets into comparisons. I can look up at everybody doing much better than me. I can look down and see everybody having a much harder go of it. And I try and count my blessings. It's easy to get distracted in one's own daily stresses and dramas. And I don't fault people for doing that. It can get tiresome to listen to, and I'll try and always reduce how much I do it here. 
I've had a very stressful day, actually, and I'm quite exhausted. But I've had a couple drinks, and it takes the edge off for certain, and I get it. Changing your consciousness is sometimes necessary. Today I'm thinking mostly about people that might have it the worst, who turn to alcohol the most, perhaps, or at least some form of inebriation or altered consciousness. People that lack the amenities that I often take for granted in life. I'll tell a couple little stories here. I'm living in a house here in Echo Park, and there's some renovations happening here that I'm overseeing. And the contractor told me that the water had to go off for a day. It was inconvenient. When the water went back on, it wasn't running hot anymore. They had to disconnect the gas line. They told me it would only last a couple days, and I thought, I guess I'll wait it out. And a couple days turned into a week because subcontractors can be difficult to organize, I guess. And then a week turned into two weeks, and I had opportunities to leave. I could have gone anywhere. I'm a pretty free spirit. I can grab some wheels and drive to a, a number of different places to rest my head. But I didn't. I, <laughs> I roughed it. And for two weeks, I went without hot water, with, without a shower, a proper one anyway. I did one cold shower that I hated, and I relegated myself to boiling a pot of water in the kitchen and bringing it to the bathtub and kind of giving myself one of these very old school showers. And I was also just bathing less, if I'm honest, given that I'm basically locked down self-quarantined against my will in some part, but also going with it because I don't mind, to be honest, to spend my days chilling on my own. And in this very mild climate of Southern California, how much bathing do I really need? But of course it got me thinking, some people live like this, not in the 1800s, but now in Los Angeles, and they're called the homeless. That's what I'm talking about today, homelessness, or if you want to be of the times, houselessness, I suppose. But I'm not quite on board with that phrase, and I'll get to why in a moment. Another quick aside here, I spent the day running errands, and I would come back home throughout the day here and there and I I was very conscious of what it means to go home to run home to stop home and just open the door kick off my shoes wash my hands maybe splash my face grab a refreshment sit down on something comfortable 
and just give myself a respite, take a breather and relax a bit. And we all do this all the time, every single day. Uh, Maybe if we don't leave the house, we're less aware of that moment of coming home. But we all come home in broad strokes the same way. And I love it. (laughs) I don't take it for granted. Of course I do. We all habituate to our routines, but I'm very, very aware that I have a washroom, a toilet, a kitchen, and a stove, running water, a bed, a couch. I didn't have a couch for over a week here, and I was very aware of it. I couldn't get comfortable. I couldn't just relax and take a load off and rest my weary shoulders. Having a couch is a godsend. If I was living in a colder climate, that radiator would just mean so much to me. And in the summer, in the hot climate, air conditioning, electricity, these things are just so important, you know? And we recreate them when we're traveling. We call our hotel home or our Airbnb. Hell, even a hostel where you have a bunk bed with a bunch of other random international people replicates this feeling enough where you can get inside, perhaps escaping the rain. You can kick off your shoes and get more comfortable. Take off your pants even if you're lucky. You can just give in to the fact that there's nothing to do, that you're done with doing something. That feeling is just so valuable to me anyway, and to most of us, I believe. Frankly, it's just so hard for me to even imagine not valuing it. So now let's really get into homelessness. I've always lived in major cities that feature a substantial homeless population. The San Francisco Bay Area for university, New York City for my adult life, Berlin, Germany recently, and now Los Angeles. And it's hitting me so damn hard these days how bad it is in Los Angeles. It's disgusting. It's embarrassing. And I better state right away that this is not a judgment of a particular person, any individual homeless person. I don't mean to denigrate him or her. I don't mean to say that all homeless people are gross. I don't mean to disparage homeless people at all, actually. But I'm talking about the state of being homeless and actively occupying public space. That's what I'm against. And I don't know anyone who's for it. Who the hell is for the homeless? 
And I suppose that's a bit of a rhetorical question. We should all be supportive of the people that have no homes or houses. But do we support the state of being homeless? God, no. Right? I mean, I wouldn't want to be. And I can't wish it on anyone at all that I know. But furthermore, I'm willing to say it. I don't want to see it. It worsens our cities significantly. It hurts. It hurts me to see homelessness. It like physically hurts me. It hurts my senses, my eyes, my, my nose, my ears sometimes. And my soul, I can feel it in my body. And furthermore, it's a threat. It can be scary. It can be intimidating. Okay, let's get into homelessness deeper still. To be homeless is to have no home. Now, there's a big movement to reclassify this, this idea as houselessness, to blame the market for not providing houses for people. And that's fair. That's objectively apparent that people living on the streets have nowhere else to go, or at least it sounds true, depending on where you are. Somewhere like Berlin, it's actually not the case. There are actual shelters and places for people to go. People just don't always choose to do that. Now, that's an issue that we should get into. That differentiation of people choosing not to or being convinced somehow not to or if there actually isn't a place to go, right? Like I'm thinking real fast, I hope I can keep my thoughts straight after this point. I'm thinking about how a homeless shelter, I, I don't know if there's a more technical word, it might have its own rules. For instance, nights of just women and children. For instance, uh, you can't bring your cart, your shopping cart or your belongings, too many belongings inside. Or for instance, you're not allowed to have a knife or for instance, you're not allowed to be too inebriated. It would make sense that there might be some rules. Otherwise, perhaps crime would skyrocket inside a shelter, and perhaps the most vulnerable of the vulnerable would be preyed upon and endangered. So perhaps it's sensible to have some guidelines as to how these shelters operate. And perhaps if I'm a bit of a loose cannon, a bit of a masculine threat, a bit of a, an ex-army guy with my own weaponry, maybe uh, I'm dissuaded from going to the homeless shelter and maybe that's why I'm on the street. Or maybe I just think, fuck the system, don't institutionalize me. I want to be free out in the rain. Okay, that's complicated already. We can see how just that one angle of this is complicated. Number two, 
insofar as there are shelters, are they actually providing what people need? Is housing really all that needs to be solved? Or is it much more complicated than that? <laughs> the answer is yes. You know, I grew up with it being common knowledge that in the 80s, Ronald Reagan deinstitutionalized and deregulated asylums, mental asylums is what they were called. I don't know if there's a better word. I'm going to use that one. I don't know if it's politically incorrect or something like that. But mental asylums are essentially institutions that aren't prisons. That must be made clear. Prisons have an inherent uh, punitive aspect to them, especially in the States. In Norway, not so much. But in general, people go to prison for having done something wrong, for having broken the law or wronged society in some clear, objectionable way. And they go to jail for a short period or prison for a long period of time with security and dangerous inmates along with them. Now, I suppose there is this argument, this political argument, supposedly Republicans and conservatives want to put homeless people in prisons. And I guess the logic is that Democrats and liberals don't want that. I also don't want that. And that's why we have homelessness, because perhaps the, the common wisdom goes democratic cities, cities run by liberal mayors, states run by liberal governors like California, Oregon, Washington, New York. Those are the big four. They don't want to clean up the streets because cleaning up the streets apparently means putting people in jail. Now, that is a really silly logic. That is a false, uh, what do I want to say? Not dichotomy, not equivalence, but that's not the only option. We used to have mental asylums. Now, I guess I should just say the obvious thing that I haven't said yet. A lot of people on the streets have mental problems. It's not just that they don't have houses, it's that they have mental problems. Now, I don't know if that sounds obtuse or autistic of me to say. To me, it's obvious. I think to you, it's obvious. I think everybody knows that it's clearly the case <laughs> that there are whack wackos that walk the streets. Like, it's not literally that the recession of 2008 left everybody without ability to pay rent and they ended up on the streets. That's not most homelessness. Now that does happen and that's sad and that needs to be addressed. But let's think about that. If you or I lost our livelihood and our income, which is happening right now during COVID to plenty of people, sadly, what would we do? Well, I, for one, would tap my social circle for help. I get by with a little help from my friends and family. And that's not shameful at all. That should be acknowledged and celebrated. 
because we are connected to each other. And I value that I have a network that cares about me in varying degrees. I can take advantage of the fact that plenty of my friends are doing better than me that might have a couch or a spare room for me that might let me skate by without paying rent for X amount of time. You know, most people, most adjusted members of society have that. So I would even hypothesize that most homeless people are actually staying out of sight at their friends' and relatives' houses or in their cars, but that they have, if they have the wherewithal and the mental stability, they are ashamed of having nowhere to go, of having been foreclosed upon or evicted, and are just temporarily without an apartment. I think that's a lot of people but that's not even what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the homeless. And you know that. You know I'm talking about beggars with cardboard signs, with disheveled appearances, with dogs by their side, perhaps, with tents, with shopping carts, and with substance abuse problems in all likelihood. That's point three. Drug addiction and alcoholism run rampant in homeless communities. That's obvious as well to almost all of us. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's not be naive here. The vast majority of people that we all see on our city streets, on our public transit, in subway stations, walking down the street, muttering with sudden movements toward us, lunging th with threatening body language, with unpredictability. The vast majority have either mental illness, drug addiction, or both. Now, again, I think it's the tip of the iceberg if we're talking about all homelessness or all houselessness. I mean, hell, most people I know are houseless. Most people I know live in apartments. But housing is not the problem. It's a problem. It's a political problem, for sure. And I'm very well aware of it right now where I currently live. I can see both sides. It's a landlord issue, it's an ownership issue, and it's a tenant issue. It's an issue. It's a big city issue. It's a money issue. It's a housing bubble real estate issue. It's uh, not my backyard NIMBY issue. It's a zoning issue. It's a vertical building issue. It's, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. San Francisco, New York City, these, these tiny places, these peninsulas and islands where you can build nowhere else, where property is at a premium. It's obvious that we do lack sufficient housing, and that when we do build the housing, it's not affordable enough for most people. That's clear. But I'm not sure that that's what we need to really be focusing on. I think we need to be focusing on the fact that no matter how we arrange houses, there will be a subset 
of people in every society who simply fall through the cracks. Even if we try and provide enough buildings, in Berlin, squats are still big. It has a very punk element to it, in Friedrichshain especially. San Francisco has had some of that. Deep Brooklyn, it still exists. People can get by, and people are very resourceful and creative and adaptive. But it doesn't solve the things I'm talking about. We need mental institutions. Because no matter how hard we try, there will always be people that can't be employed. There are unemployable people. There are unlovable people. I know that sounds so brutal, but it's been pointed out most humorously by Louis C.K., of course. Okay, okay, like the way he puts it, if you really think that everybody is lovable, there's someone out there for everyone, go ahead, go ahead and (laughs) take that person home. Be a saint and take this crusty, smelling person into your bed and love them. Yeah, right. I mean, there are just people that that society has clearly rejected. We have done that. And I'm ready to own it. I don't want certain people near me. I don't want that. I don't feel like I owe it to anyone to give them a dollar, spare change, to even give them a job, give them an apartment. I don't take that upon myself. I am not a saint. I am a human. I'm a discerning human. I choose who to spend my time with. I am selective even then. At a party, I would probably get along with everybody in that party, but I only choose to talk to two or three people there. And I might stay in touch with one of them, you know? And you're like that too, I bet. Now, I do know some people out there with exceptionally big hearts. They all happen to be women who are willing to bear the burdens of the world through their maternal energy and take care of as much as they humanly can, whether it be collecting cats or inviting refugees into their apartments or what have you. I I know how beautiful an open soul can be more power to these people, I guess, the nurses and doting grandmothers of the world. I'm not one of them. That's fine. There are social workers. I suppose from my analytical governmental perspective, each homeless person needs a social worker. Each suffering individual needs that mandated attention because as humans we wither away and die without it let's be honest we all crave it we all crave it i was thinking recently about like pets and how dogs are just so 
damn cool. And that they just smile and pant at you and just want you to touch them. They just want you to touch them. And they want it so bad and it's all they want. <laughs> it's all they want. Uh, along with food and I guess some reliable, predictable daily structure and shelter. And I was thinking about like the act of love, sex, but also just like intimacy and how it's not so different that we just want to be touched and held. And we don't all get it. Life is just not fair, guys. It's just not. And we can make all the noises we want that it should be more fair, and it should, I agree. But you can't mandate a boyfriend or girlfriend for everybody. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. I suppose Aldous Huxley imagines a world in which it does happen like that. And in Brave New Worlds, lest you forget, it's, it's not PC to reject somebody. If somebody makes an advance because they find you attractive, you're a bad person if you reject them. You have to say yes. Who are you to say no? They need love, you know? So I want to just point out the dangers of how far that kind of logic can go. Yes, as caring, compassionate people, we should be aiming to take care of people in society. But there are limits. There are limits. You can't expect us to bring homeless people into our homes. You can't really even expect us to build equally nice homes for people that haven't, quote, earned them. Now, I mentioned earlier, maybe I didn't, <laughs> this idea of, like, how is this a political issue? People on the right, conservative types, they kind of have this... Um, every man for himself attitude, this pull yourself up by your bootstraps attitude of like, I've earned this. I have mine. I can do it. So can you. And if you don't, you deserve what you have, which is nothing. It's a very cynical, cutthroat, uh, callous position. I don't hold that position. The leftist liberal bleeding heart comeback retaliation, as it were, is something more like leave people alone. They haven't done anything wrong. Let them be. It shouldn't be a crime to do drugs. Who are you to judge someone's mental abilities, mental health and illness? Just leave them alone, even if they are barking obscenities at your children on the main street of town. Just let them be. Chill, man. Live and let live. I actually relate much more to that position, but come on. It's a travesty to allow that kind of behavior to continue for them and for me. It's not in their best interests. It's not in a homeless person's best interest to be left alone, period. It's bad for that person to be allowed to stay addicted to meth, to huff paint, to inject themselves with dirty needles on the street. It's not good. It's bad for them. 
And I can feel how bad it is for them because it's bad for me to just see it. I don't want to see it. There are places like Portugal, Amsterdam to some degree, even in Rhode Island, USA, safe houses, shoot up houses where you can go and do, you know, methadone, methadone, methadone. You can wean yourself off of heroin. You can get clean needles. You can be in peace without the cops harassing you or whatever. And that's compassionate. That's a good step. I've spoken at length about ending the drug war. That seems obvious. The drug war is in the way of this homelessness problem, this pandemic. But mental health is really the big one, the real stickler. And I don't understand how it's taking us so fucking long to reverse fucking Reagan's stupid austerity policies. It's asinine. It's ridiculous to cancel such an essential, if I may, social program, a service, a place for the truly wayward, mentally disturbed people to go and to be, to feel at peace. People need place. They need a place. Everything needs its right place. And to my estimation, the right place for the vast amount of homelessness is in mental institutions and drug rehabilitation clinics, period. So where the hell are they? Why aren't we building and staffing these places. This would be my number one policy proposal if I was running for office. Mental institutions and rehabilitation clinics. Los Angeles needs them so badly. It boggles my mind that we don't have them and that we're not doing that. And that at best, we're just trying to build low-income or even free housing. That's not going to cut it, guys. That's not going to cut it. A door to a room for a crazy drug addict to go to does not solve the problem. It doesn't. I mean, it's a start, I guess. I mean, it's kind of an out-of-sight, out-of-mind situation. But it's not enough. We need social workers we need, we need heaps of attention on each case. Some people are borderline. Some people are on the precipice of entering society. Some people just need that little push, that nudge toward sobriety, that uh, therapy to become functioning. Others can't do it. They just won't. They'll, they will never achieve something like stability and normalcy. What do you do with those people? I mean, you tell me what you would like to do with them. 
I don't accept that they can just live on the corner of Sunset and Alvarado. I don't accept that they just take over Bodenstrasse, Uachts in Berlin. It's not acceptable to me that people can just do drugs on the subway and that's how they live. And meanwhile, quote, normal people, like normal functioning people in society, get ticketed for like, I don't know, not having a subway subway ticket, swiping in somebody else. Like, that's insane. What are we doing? You're punish you're giving a fine, you're punishing someone because they don't have a ticket, and yet that person just over there stinks of booze and is yelling at people and you're not doing anything about that you're crazy you are a crazy society where are your priorities there are such obvious people in need people that need so much help and attention it has to be someone's job to attend to them and people want to do it there are actual social workers i know some people willing to sort out people's lives for them because it's it's satisfying to sort out somebody else, right? I feel that way with my skill set. I feel good to, you know, edit somebody's artist statement or to take a portrait. You know, it's satisfying that I can fill that need or even here, to articulate this insanely obvious problem in society. The fact that crazy addicts are roaming the streets like zombies and that it's growing and growing and growing. And yet we do nothing. We just throw our hands up in the air and say, oh yeah, it's terrible. Anyways, like what kind of answer is that? Why don't we do something, guys? Seriously. It really hurts me. And I I can't begin to understand how somebody slips that far out of society. But it happens. I read a book when I was younger. I'll end with this. I read a book called The Fuck Up. It's a good book. And it it probably left more of an impression on me than I'm willing to admit. (laughs) Um, But it is about a guy who basically becomes homeless. And he's not mentally ill and he's not a drug addict. He's more like that first case I talked about of somebody that just, you know, had some bad luck and became down and out and had nowhere to go. And it starts by just, you know, sleeping in your car one night and eventually you lose track of your hygiene. You stop being able to read yourself and you don't have people around you maybe they fall away slowly but surely maybe you push them away maybe the hygiene is a compounding factor or some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy or something 
but eventually you just slip further and further. And before you know it, you are in an alley, your head between your knees, and you don't really understand how you even got there. And (laughs) it's a pretty profound story, isn't it? I mean, if you're listening to a podcast, obviously you're okay in the grand scheme of things, you know? You have a device connected to the internet. That's already saying a lot, I think. And yet, you have your own rock bottom. You have your own struggles and travails and difficulties. And maybe you don't even know what the bottom even is. Maybe you could keep falling. And maybe you want to keep falling. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder when I'm falling if, like, I enjoy the thrill of that drop, you know? That if I'm in the process of losing, I want to keep doing it. It's momentum. It's thrilling. And... It's kind of scary to step back and think how far you can fall and how dark you can get. And a wealthy, technologically advanced society needs systems in place to catch us when we're falling like that. There has to be a safety net. And that safety net has to be calibrated and crafted in a savvy enough way to catch as many people as possible because we can all fall and some of us fall viciously with intent (laughs) clawing away with blades at anything like a net that might catch us some of us really want to fail desperately and bring down others with us. And those people can be very dangerous. Prominent figures come to mind. But mass shooters and sociopaths follow similar trends. Joker had a social worker and Maybe she tried her best, but she admitted it. The city, the budget, the voters, the leadership just don't care enough about people like Arthur Fleck. And they don't even care about the social worker either. And that's such a sadness. We have to value people. (laughs) We have to value the truly destitute. We have to value the vulnerable, including children. And we have to value the saintly that aim to improve those lots, like teachers even. And we're just not doing it. And it's pathetic. It really is fucking pathetic. And 
I blame Gavin Newsom. <laughs> I blame leaders that are so up their own asses that they'd rather retweet Lady Gaga than actually deal with public problems. The world is so stupid and it's such a mess, but it doesn't have to be, does it? I mean, governance is an art and there are good artists. Why aren't they doing things in this current moment? I don't understand. Maybe you could help me. Maybe you agree though, that we do need stronger institutions, that we need our tax dollars in this wealthy civilization to actually build stronger systems. Let's bring back mental institutions or whatever you wanna call them. Let's introduce really clear drug policies and rehabilitation programs. I, I would hope that under a democratic presidency, it's something we could aim for. And let's just be honest that homelessness is a problem and you're not mean-spirited, you're not evil or a bad person for saying it. It sucks to be homeless and homelessness as a concept sucks. And I don't wanna mince words about it. I want it gone. I don't wanna see homeless people. And that doesn't mean that I want to kill them and eat them or even jail them. It just means that I want a cleaner room with everything put away and to put a shirt in either the hamper or the dresser drawer or closet is good for the shirt. It's good for it. If I see a dirty shirt on the ground, and maybe I don't know if it's dirty, I don't know where it goes. I'm not suggesting to burn it. I'm suggesting to put it away in its proper place. And that's what we should be doing collectively with the homeless. Well, I'm convinced. <laughs> I've convinced myself. Um, let me know what you think. I'm reachable out in the, in the world, on the internet. Uh, send me a line. Leave me a review on this podcast. I would, I would love a five-star rating. I would love uh, a comment from you. I would love your support on Patreon at Key Thinking. I would love a follow and a like on my Instagram. It's very much unrelated to this, but nonetheless, it's an aestheticized version of how I want to see the world. I guess you could say. So there is that relation. I also like a good old-fashioned email or text. My name is Keith Telfan. I've been thinking about the homeless, and I'm looking forward to diving into more topics. Until then, ciao.